Grace and mercy and peace to you this afternoon from God our Father and from Jesus our Savior too. Brushing your teeth, flicking through all the updates on your phone, eating lunch, opening a car door. Uh, whatever you do during the day, it's amazing how many times you use your hands. In fact, I really can't imagine life without hands. I, I, I know a man who lost a hand and how much that meant to him. And so, as, as we go through these Lenten services, that's the theme, is it's about, about hands. Not so much those mundane things I talked about, but you know hands can have a lot bigger significance too, because you can do some pretty significant things with your hands, and because your hands have a connection to your, your heart. God doesn't just care what's done on the outside. What you do with your hands is usually a reflection of who you are on the inside and your relationship with with him. And so watch for that these coming Wednesdays as we go through different kinds of hands in that story about Jesus' sufferings and death. People like Peter and Judas and Caiaphas and Pilate, the soldiers, how all of them use their hands. But tonight, before we get into that account of Jesus' suffering and death for us, let's go back to that parable he told because there too, whether or not you noticed it, the Pharisee and the tax collector's hands were part of the parable that Jesus told. So if you're not there already, turn back to page 18 in your worship folder. Otherwise, I'll put some of the main verses up on, on the screen. This is the way that there was an artist back in the 1800s. His name was, was John Tissot, who drew a painting of that parable. It's a story about two men. In some ways, they were exactly the same. They both went to the temple they both went there to pray to God. They both said a prayer that started with the name God, but beyond that, they were really, really different. And as you think through it again, think through it especially in terms of what were their hands like, what was their posture like toward God, and what did that say about what was going on inside their hearts? So first is, is the Pharisee. These are the two verses that were about him. Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you, I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, even like this tax collector, I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. The posture he had was, was, was one of prayer before God, the, the way that the, the painter did it. Uh, we, we fold our hands usually for prayer. Apostle Paul talks about asking people to lift up their, their holy hands in prayer, so my guess is he's probably right that the Pharisees' hands were more up as, as a sign of, of his prayer to God, which isn't in of itself bad, but he, he assumes his posture of, of prayer before God, but then if, if you'd analyze his prayer, it sounds like he's gonna have this prayer of thanksgiving to God, but it ends up being not really a thank you prayer, but a prayer of talking about himself and how great he is a prayer of, of comparing himself to other people. God, I thank you I'm not like those other people who break the Ten Commandments. I thank you I don't rob, I don't cheat on my wife, I don't do things that are evil. In fact, God, I go above and beyond what you've asked for. I fast more than I need to. I'm generous in how I give to you. The, the, the hands raised up to God uh, talking about himself. And that part two, I, I thank you that I'm not even like that tax collector over there. I don't know, did he use his hands to motion over 
to the other side of the temple where the tax collector stood? Because there's another man too, and this is the verse about him. The tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. You see the reference to his hands there? Uh, not hands uplifted, but hands that were, were clenched. And if I you just, uh, that's, that's a very powerful feeling. Could you take your hands with me and just make them into fists and then squeeze really hard? What was it that was making him, him squeeze his, his hands? I, I know that sometimes that happens when you get angry, you, you, you squeeze in, into fists. Sometimes when you just had a really, really horrible day, you get all tense and, and squeeze your hands into fists. It, for him, it wasn't either of those. It was the weight of his guilt before God. And maybe you gave up already, but if you, if you haven't, make your hands back into fists. And then you're probably not squeezing them hard enough. Can you, can you clench up your fists as hard as you can and just hold it like that? It's hard to do because it takes so much energy and actually your whole arms get stiff, your whole body gets stiff with the tension that comes from, from your hands being so, so tense. Almost like you feel like you've got to let go of that tension and hit something. But not that you hit a wall or hit the person next to you what did he start hitting? He started beating his own chest with those hands that were, that were clenched. Not something I see as part of our culture much, but maybe you can, you can sense the emotion that's in his, his hands as he feels the guilt of his sin and his prayer is short and sweet to God. God have mercy on me, a sinner. And before we go on, the, the big question about a lot of Jesus' parables is, where do you see yourself there? Because all the parables he tells, and this is true even for most stories and movies you see today, is they try to connect you with one of the characters. Where do you see yourself there? Are you the, the Pharisee or the tax collector? I, I think it's, it's easy to say I, I identify with the tax collector because I know he's the one I'm supposed to identify with. I, the people are like the Pharisee, that's more like, that's the kid in my class who always is trying to show off that they're better than everybody else. That's, the Pharisee, that's more the, the co-worker who always is quick to take all the credit for everything and always quick to have the blame go away when everything goes wrong. That's, that's what the Pharisee is like. But if, if you'd go back to the very first verse of the section, before Jesus says anything, he gives you the context for the parable. As Jesus looks out at the people in front of them, I don't know that they were all this way. It could have been there was a mix. But when Jesus looked out at the crowd, it wasn't that he saw, here are a whole lot of people who have their fists all clenched up in guilt over their sins. Here's what Jesus saw. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. That was what he saw as common in the hearts of the people in front of him. And so he told a parable about a Pharisee and a tax collector, telling them they were actually more like the, the Pharisee. And I've had conversations with Christians who have lived their faith out over decades and decades, people who are older and mature in their faith. I wouldn't include myself there yet, 
I'm hoping that God does some more maturing in me over the next few decades. But one thing I've heard from people, and I heard it again recently, if somebody said, you know, when I was younger, the kind of sins I had to confess to God were things I did on the outside. But the older I get, the more I realize it actually is the arrogance inside that I need to confess. It's the attitudes deep down in my heart that are the worst sins in my life. And I think maybe you'll experience this too or already have that what Jesus says is true or the way he looked at those people. There's a connection between arrogance toward God and arrogance toward other people. That Pharisee thought that he needed nothing from God. In verse 9, the words that express that are people who are confident of their own righteousness. Feeling that there's nothing wrong between me and God. Everything is right with him, so I don't really need him. And if that kind of arrogance would be in us toward God, well, how do we treat other people? That's what Jesus saw too. That those who thought that they were good enough, who had an arrogance toward God, those were the same ones who then would look down on everyone else. That makes sense, right? That if you are better than everyone else, then why not have an arrogance toward, toward them as well? Jesus told this parable to people like that. And, and here's the main point. So if you jump over, well, here are the verses. So 11 and 12 is the Pharisee. 13 is the tax collector. Here's the final verse where Jesus gets to the main point. Jesus said, I tell you that this man, that's talking about the tax collector, this tax collector, rather than the other one, the Pharisee, the tax collector is the one who went home justified before God. Which flips around what everybody would have thought. Pharisee is the one who looked like his whole life was put together. He's the one where, honestly, he probably was living outwardly a better life than the tax collector, but he went home with nothing. Things weren't right between him and God. It was that man with the the clenched up fists and the anguish over his guilt of sin before God, that's the man who, even though it looked like he had nothing, went home with everything because everything was right. And then Jesus says this as a truism for life in general. All those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. If your life is about putting yourself ahead, and I'm not just talking about in front of other people, but putting yourself ahead when it comes to God and exalting yourself, God not just can, he will, he will humble you. Some people find that already in this life. Even worse would be to go through your life thinking things are fine and then stand before God and have him humble you in his presence by showing all your sins. The flip side, though, is this. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. Those who have been brought by God to see that they have nothing to offer to him, that they have nothing but sin and in need of God's mercy, God promises he's able to lift up those people, even to life forever in heaven, all because there's a Savior named Jesus who forgives those who trust in him in faith.
And so what is Ash Wednesday? Ash Wednesday is a number of things coming together. The ashes are a way to remember that you're mortal and so am I. We're going to die whether or not we want to think about that. It's a day to remember that sin needs to be confessed before God without denying it, without making excuses, but to confess it. And those come together in a spirit of humility before God. The, the, the tax collector went home justified not because he was better than the other man there. It wasn't even because he was more humble than the other man there. You can, you can even have that kind of arrogant humility that says, I am more humble than everybody else. Look at how humble I am, which isn't humility at all. Why was the tax collector justified before God? It's because God in his mercy and love forgives sinners in Christ Jesus. And I bring that word justified in because that's the word in the second line there. He went home justified. That's, that's the courtroom word that means you're not guilty. And the Bible uses this picture, the Apostle Paul in particular, if you'd be on trial for all your sins in God's courtroom, how would the verdict come in? Reality is, yeah, you, you did all of it, you've got to own it, and yet God says, I declare you not guilty because of Jesus Christ. And if in a courtroom you're acquitted, then there can't be any punishment because you are declared not guilty. That tax collector went home not guilty, justified before God, righteous in God's sight because God is a God of love and grace and forgiveness. And so what is it that I hope you leave with today? Is it a reminder that you're dust? Well, yeah. Is it a reminder of your sins? Yes. But even more than any of that is a reminder today of God's grace and his love for you in Jesus your Savior. God loves you. Jesus Christ came into this world to forgive you. This, the same man who's, who's telling that parable, that's, that's God himself who is about to go to the cross and lay down his life for, for us because God doesn't want you stuck in that arrogant attitude of depending on yourself and looking down on others. Instead, he wants to change your heart and mind so that as we humbly come before him, we find in him that true worth is a gift of, of God, that our sins are forgiven in him. We're no better than others, and yet we've got eternal life because of Jesus. And you hear that tonight in the absolution before. I hope you're hearing that from the words of God himself. And also tonight, we've got the Lord's Supper, where again, you come with your hands, and uh, one part about the Lord's Supper is you hold out your hands and what's in them? Nothing. Are you coming up here to give God something that you have to offer? No, you're coming to receive something from him. And so in your outstretched hands, what does God put there? He puts the body of Christ given for you on the cross. He gives you the blood of Christ shed for your sins and promises you forgiveness for all of them. That as we come to God, not with hands that are, are arrogant about ourselves, but but hands that, that maybe they are clenched with the guilt today, but, but God then releases that tension. He gives us forgiveness in Jesus Christ, our Savior. So my prayer for you is that you would find it's true what Jesus says there at the end. Yeah, if you exalt yourself, you'll be humbled, but I'm praying that we're on that other side.
that for all those who humble themselves before God, God promises they will be exalted. Amen. Today, rather than a confession of our faith, rather than passing the plates, I'd ask you to think through for yourself too. Uh, just what can you, how do you respond to God's goodness? Uh, Pharisee thought that him giving money was part of him being better than everybody else. That's not it at all. Uh, it's more like the tax collector. If, if you've been forgiven by God, what does it look like in terms of your life and how you give yourself back, back to him? Well, let's continue worship this afternoon, first with a prayer and then by celebrating the Lord's Supper together.